1: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today's episode is another that is a long time coming for me. For you, yes. Yes. Because about a year ago, there was an event at um, Atlanta's Center for Puppetry Arts, which... Um, was focused on women and puppetry, and we were trying to go there and record it and do a podcast on it. But based on availability of producers and hosts, it did not happen. Oh, and I've it's been the one that got away similarly to a lot of the interviews we've had lately that we finally have made happen. And I've recently with all the things like Dragon Con, right. which has a lot of puppets and a lot of puppetry panels, and um, Dark Crystal, right. the, the Netflix show, um, which I love. Uh, and in Atlanta, there's a Halloween tradition of this uh, puppet show called The Ghastly Dreadbulls. Right. And uh, was finally
0: able to get some women in puppetry and make All it right. happen. we got some big names in here in the puppetry world, as you told me before they walked in. I was like, oh, no. Am I supposed to be nervous? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I kind of forgot what—because I, I have no idea in this whole world of puppetry. And I kind of forgot one of my favorite movies, which are, we're going to mention in the interview, which is Lily, which mm-hmm. was like the 1950s, 1960s old classic with one of my favorite actresses, Leslie Caron. I think that's how you say her name? Caron? Mm-hmm. She's French, French-American. I'm not really good at any of those things. But she is a beautiful dancer. And there's this whole, and we talk about the synopsis of the film, about her interacting with all these puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, I kind of was like, wow, yeah, there's a whole depth to puppetry that I didn't think of outside of Sesame Street.
1: Right. And it's it's interesting you say that because I never watched Sesame Street. Wow. Um So I had like a reverse of what I think most people in in at least the United States have where I never saw Sesame Street. Muppet Babies? No. No, none of those? Mm Mm-mm. I did see Muppet
0: Christmas Carol. Okay, okay. Um, That's what I think of.
1: Right, um, for me, it was definitely Dark Crystal. That was something that when I was a kid, I was a weird kid, and I loved the movie.
0: Well, I guess Labyrinth as well as Neverending Story. Yeah, is on those lines too.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. And I I feel like a lot of us don't realize that we were seeing puppets in a lot of different forms, and that also is something we're going to touch on. Um, but I guess we should
0: get into the interview because we keep spoiling. I know
1: everything. It was
0: very exciting. I, I felt like I learned a lot.
1: It was a lovely interview, and uh, you'll hear from our guests, but um, some of them flew in today. Right, from Quebec. We have to go visit them during that little festival. I am planning on it. I am in. I am in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a great conversation, and actually, we might follow up and have another, because there are a lot of uh, women puppeteers I came out of the woodworks when I put out my feelers, and I was like, ooh, so if any listeners are hearing this and thinking, ah, that's me, you should write in. Yes. But in the meantime, we'll let our interviewees introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Louise Lapointe, I come from Montreal
2: in Canada, and I'm the director of Castellier, which is an organization devoted to puppetry arts, presenting puppetry arts, so every year we organize an international puppet festival,
3: presenting performances for children and for adults, and also we have a regular season. Cool. Cool. Hi, I'm Kristen Howardy, and I'm the producer at the Center for Puppetry Arts here in Atlanta, Georgia, and... While we don't have a festival, we present uh, work for uh, families and for adults uh, throughout the year, uh, So, and also have a museum and education program as well.
1: Mm. Yes, I'm a big fan, big fan, and I'm <laughs> sure I would love everything you've got going on as well, but once I make it to Quebec... <laughs> <laughs> um... Anytime. <laughs> yes. yes, Uh And we like to start with kind of a very baseline definitions on the show, so if you wouldn't mind... What is puppetry? Because I think when a lot of people think about it, at least here in the States, there's one particular thing they're thinking of. Um, So if you could kind of expound upon what is puppetry.
3: Oh, yeah, I think of
0: Sesame Street. Exactly. That kind of thing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I think that's true. Puppetry, in its essence, is an inanimate object, manipulated uh, in front of an audience uh, is is sort of my definition. Uh, but really, puppetry there are so many different styles, uh, both in techniques and also uh, in uh, world traditions as well. Uh, there's it, it can really be so many things. Uh, it's very visual form. Uh, it's uh, it's visual storytelling as, uh, just, uh, also what do you think
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> well in french uh, we call it uh, we are devoted to the arts of puppetry including object theater shadow theater uh, marionette uh, because yeah it's a um an incredible array of different techniques and um, puppetry art is a complete art form it's more uh, like opera because <laughs> it involves visual arts, theater dance, movement, music so it's a really complete and intricate art form and so poetic so uh, that for me uh, I agree with Christine's definition but it's uh, like
1: I say it's the arts of puppetry. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Um, and if you wouldn't mind going into both of you, how did you get into this field? How did you get to where you are?
2: Uh, myself, I studied in, first in visual arts in university, and then I wanted to go on studying but not do a master's degree in visual arts, so I said, okay, I'm going to do another degree in theater in technical production and scenography. And it was in school that I met a great puppeteer, and I was fascinated about the strength of the art form so i decided to uh, devote myself to that afterwards and so i worked for more than 20 years in quebec at the conservatoire d'art dramatique as a stagehand props mistress mask maker and it allowed me to work with materials all the time but still i kept the practice of building puppets on the side and then i became a director of a festival and i now i'm more presenting than building <laughs> but i hope to come back to building soon <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> Uh, yeah, for me, going back to Louise talking about puppetry being all the arts, uh, when I was a student, I was interested in music and uh, film and theater, and I was trying to find ways to combine them all into what I wanted to be when I grew up, and uh, I went abroad uh, to study my junior year in Prague and Bali, and both of those have incredible puppetry traditions, and suddenly it sort of clicked for me and I realized that puppetry was such a vibrant art form and I wanted to know more about it. So I came back and happened to my uh, college uh, professor, happened to be an amazing person in the puppetry field, Dan Herlin, uh, who uh, is in New York and doing really great work. And so I studied with him after I was back and then went and toured for a year as a touring puppeteer uh, and... In the Northwest, which was an amazing experience uh, for anyone who has ever been on a theatrical tour, <laughs> it's uh, it really you know gets you in the trenches and and is also just a really great learning experience uh, for how audiences respond because you're in a different town every day in front of a different audience, really. Uh, and so, doing that with this puppetry company was really taught me about the art form and about performing in general, and then I moved to Atlanta, and uh, Atlanta has this amazing Center for Puppetry Arts, and I started working as a teaching artist, I uh, worked as a docent, I worked as a, uh, did shows for XPT, which is our experimental puppetry theater program, started performing uh, in the Ghastly Dreadfuls, uh, which is an adult puppetry show there, and uh, just basically did every job I could possibly do at the center, Uh, and then... I was uh, the center was planning a, a international festival in two thousand. It was going to happen in two thousand nine, and my producer was looking for someone to help with that. And I said, I want to be a part of that, uh, and uh, pushed my resume at her. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, that was that was ten years ago. Uh, since I worked on that and. Uh, that was our producer, and she recently retired, and uh, now I have um, am the producer of the center. and it's So it's been a, a, a long process, but uh, I really loved working in puppetry and all of the possibilities that are inherent within that reform.
1: Yeah, and that's something I personally am really curious about um, because I've seen a lot of—I think people forget that there's puppetry in a lot of— big movies and you just don't think about it in the Mm -hmm. same way and you don't appreciate it in the same way, perhaps. Um, But I'm always curious about, like, because I'm an actor, uh, but, like, the performance of it and giving life to something in in movement and in voice, um, what about it? Is there something specific that drew you to puppetry or is there something about it that you love, that you find very unique to it?
2: Well, I must admit, puppetry for me is a passion. It's uh, stronger than me. I don't know why I'm uh, consulting. (laughs) (laughs) But it's an art form that keeps uh, fascinating me because of its endless power of metaphorism, of poetry, of strength that uh, touch the human soul, not with the text necessarily. You can have text and puppetry, but not necessarily. And how a simple gesture, but the good one, can make you feel all sorts of... um, Feelings and also make you understand things. For me, it's answer puppetry arts. They can answer some of the basic questions, and that's why I'm still interested
3: so much into it. It's a passion. Mm. And and I think for me, it's also the 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 tactile nature of puppetry. Like especially thinking of films and uh, where. There was a movement for a while to go CG and to go digital, Mm -hmm. and so many people are now going back to puppetry to achieve those effects because they're realizing there's just nothing quite like that actual physical object uh, being manipulated by an actual human being being. In real time, <laughs> right? I mean, stop motion. I guess I, I just think of it as slowed down <laughs> puppetry, <laughs> right? <laughs>
1: yeah, um,
3: but uh, or, or sped up puppetry, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, but there's still there's just something about an, an object coming to life that's that's so part of just a really basic human impulse, and also it just it delights in a way that I think digital doesn't always. And uh, I think that's also why I just keep coming back to the puppet. And it's fascinating right now because
2: we see it in schools, younger children or even older, uh, when they see a puppet show now, they're so fascinated by behind the scene and they want to see how one arm is moving because they're so used to virtual screens all the time. And to go back to and see real matter move with a human being, they, they find again the joy of you know <laughs> right. <bricoli. A> play. <laughs> so yeah, it, right. uh, many companies talk about that that after shows meetings with the audience
3: you know it's this fascination again oh how does this work and mm. so it's but it's really mm-hmm. nice <laughs> yeah. and you'll find you know not only visual artists and performers and dancers but also like engineers really like puppetry because it's all about like how how do you make it work you know how how do you achieve this effect? And sometimes it's a very simple mechanism, um, but sometimes it can get really complicated. And there's a real sort of puzzle to figuring out oh how how do you create this uh, this this object to move in a certain way to achieve the effect that you want to on stage uh, or or in a film or when, whatever it is.
1: You know. Yeah. Um when I watch something like The Ghastly Dreadfuls, which I love because it showcases all these different types of, of puppetry, I am so fascinated with like, how did how did they do that? I just wanna know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and something else I really like is looking back at the history of puppetry, which is something that the Center for Puppetry Arts goes into and around the world. Um, is that something that either of you or both of you can speak to, some of the history, or and especially women, because um, this show is about? Women, Women
3: and feminism. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, puppetry has a, a long history, as in so many different cultures. Uh, actually, one reason why I was so excited that, that Louise could join us is that uh, <laughs> we're both part of an organization uh, called UNIMA, which is the oldest organization uh, in the the oldest theater organization organization in the world. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's an association of puppeteers. And uh, so it's there are UNIMA centers in countries around the world. Um, That's how I originally met Luis, is they have congresses every four years. And there are... An incredible amount of of women leaders within that organization, um, and and I think in puppetry's history in general, I know in the states there's has been many uh, strong puppeteers uh, who who have been been women uh, who have sort of shaped uh, at least American puppetry, and there's uh, and internationally as well. And currently, there are, there are many female puppeteers in in film and TV. There's the the Henson family. There are three really dynamic women that are all the daughters of Jim Henson who are currently uh, heading puppetry foundations and, uh, and creating puppetry. And, and so the female presence in puppetry is strong. I would say. Awesome. Yeah <laughs> absolutely. Um,
2: I think in uh, puppetry is, is in almost every cultures uh, every culture in around the world almost uh, like masks um and nowadays there's a there are many more women studying puppetry there's many men in the on, in the field and performing but in professional schools for example there there are many more women studying puppetry arts I think it's not only puppetry but also visual arts you know? like in for example in Montreal we have a, now a master degree level in puppetry arts for since 2007 and it's a two-year master degree and for the last two promotions it's only women studying and uh, puppetry so I think it's uh, it's too bad because it gives a, 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 why is that happening like that mm-hmm. but still I mean there's a very big interest by from for women in puppetry arts and they're doing exquisite shows like you had um, Ashes here uh, which is mm-hmm. a, a Norwegian puppeteer who's uh, world famous now and uh, so now we see many excellent international companies led by women That's
1: awesome Yeah. Um, we have some more of our discussion around women in puppeteering. But first, we have a quick break for word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So we know, listeners, it's been rough for a lot of people out there. And we've been very open about our experiences with therapy and how it's been so helpful for us in the past and in the present. And because of that, we wanted to highlight... A service that we think might be of help to you all, BetterHelp, which offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen
0: and to help. You can talk with your counselors in a private online environment at your own convenience from wherever you're comfortable. And BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas.
1: They can give you access to help that might not be available in your area. And you just have to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours.
0: BetterHelp is an affordable option, and our listeners get ten percent off your first month with a discount code MomStuff. Get started today at BetterHelp.com/momstuff. That's
1: Better H-E-L-P.com/momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at
0: people, it feels like the main thing people notice. Now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point.
1: Celebrity makeup artists use Arches and Halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half
0: the price of department store brands. Arches and Halos,
1: Professional Brow Grooming. Be bold, be you. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Now, back to the interview. One thing that I find fascinating about the history of puppetry um, is how it was able to provide commentary on social things when perhaps no one else could, when Absolutely. it was sort of a dangerous mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I uh, before we started recording this, I was reading about um, like puppetry used for empowering women in in South Africa and um, erotic puppetry in Turkey for women, uh, like something that they're able to comment on that maybe they wouldn't be able to. And so I'm wondering, what do you, how do you think that puppetry can transcend in that way? I, I also saw, I think one of the uh, panels um, at one of these festivals or conferences was about uh, using puppets for people who had experienced sexual trauma or right. something, like using it mm-hmm. to help in that way. Just other ways that puppetry is this powerful right. art form.
0: Yeah, I've seen it being used for child therapy. Like yeah. it's a form of therapy for a lot of children who's gone through trauma, and it's not necessarily that they're playing out trauma, but it's something to help kids speak up what yes. is it what is it about that? That is a good question because I've seen that as well that children are able to communicate with things through the puppetry type of things. How does that how does that even become a thing? That's, that's fascinating too. Well, uh, puppetry and therapy—it's a big
2: association, also around an international um, international right. <laughs> association. So, yeah, it's such a useful and strong tool to do therapy, and you need uh, many uh, um, experts use it to deal with different traumas for with children and for adults. Mm-hmm. And I think because puppetry is so strong, because you—it's a mirror. So you're not—it's mm-hmm. not you talking, or it's not uh, someone talking to you. It's the puppet. So it's much more easier to get the distance. And I'm not a therapist, but I, I know the power the puppet can have, and and I think that's why it's very strong.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's there's there's that sense of oh, it's the it's the puppet talking, um, right. and there's there's a safety in that, right. um, and and also in you know not only in therapy, but in uh, Politics. I know that there's yeah. there's many instances and in, um, where it's there's the puppeteer has been able to to speak truth to power in ways that possibly the human would not have been able to or be allowed to. But because it was a puppet in a puppet show, uh, there was there was that distance or that that sense of it. You know, it's it's the puppet, so it's okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. um, one of the the impetus for this episode, I guess, was two things. One, I fell in love with the dark crystal all over again. But two, mm-hmm. like a year ago, there was a panel on women in puppetry, and I totally I missed it, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Um, but uh, one of the women who was on the panel, when asked about like the differences in female characters versus male characters when it comes to puppets, that she said something like, "I would um, always rather play a character that happens to be female." Um, but it, are there things that you've noticed or you've experienced that are different when it comes to creating female character in puppet form?
3: In my experience, one of the values of puppetry is that you can be so many things that aren't what you physically right. are. You can, you can as, as a performer, you can go... You can stretch the boundaries of what maybe an audience might perceive you to be on stage. You can be five different characters that are completely different in look, size, uh, personality, you know, whatever uh, that is. I think, you know, there's—and there's certainly lots of— Males that perform female roles and sure. females that perform male roles in puppetry and there's there's some value in that uh I think that sometimes they' i mean and this can be in you know it's not just exclusive to puppetry, but you know there you can delve into stereotypes uh, that are not that can be dangerous or not dangerous but just uh questionable right <laughs> think um, about them. <laughs> so so i think that there's you know you still have to be very mindful of of representation and because puppetry is such a strong representation you 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 can create something that is your visual idea of what a character is and that way it's like it does bring up questions like why does the why does a witch always have to have like you know a certain look you know sure. or the, you know and um, and because you are you are able to physically sculpt create this this image of this character which is a combination of characteristics and it, it is it, it is a personality you know how how do you create that rich personality within your visual design. Um, that is mindful of, of not drawing those very simple conclusions to, oh, this is this kind of character, so it's going to look like this. or right. um, So, yeah, it's, I think that's always a challenge in puppetry.
0: Um, I think I got away from the question. Though. <laughs> that was great. No, that, was, <laughs> that was great. So, yeah, I was going to ask, because you were talking about that you were crafting, you were creating um, and making these puppets. What does it look like? being behind the scenes and trying to create new characters because as you were talking about you have to keep up with the ever-changing representation and as we know right now there's huge controversy about all of the different types of representation what does that look like today especially as a woman who would be creating and crafting these characters well
2: I think puppetry is a great tool to, uh, yeah, to fight against this gender ca- mm-hmm. characterization and um, I'm thinking maybe that's why there's so many women studying it because it's a uh Excellent way to uh, break molds and uh, propose something else. But creating different characters, I wouldn't have to think about this one because uh, when you create a character, you fall... Yeah, you have to adapt to... You are more sensitive to what's going on now, for sure, but I don't know how it would
0: show up in the actual Mm -hmm. object. (laughs) Well, how do you start creating something? Because I'm guessing you have to create, like, when you're going outside of the regular characters, how do you come up with these ideas? So, like, again, I'm thinking about along the lines of, like, creations like Cookie Monster or... And I actually remember the movie that I loved, Lily. Yes. From, yeah, it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies. <laughs> like, the Caron was one of my favorite uh, dancers way back when. Um, but I was just thinking, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. I used to love this movie, which was centered around puppetry and her yeah. falling in love with these characters. Mm. And these, some of these characters are very unusual characters as we see how do you come up with these ideas or how do people
2: well to create a character you start discussing with um, the director or if mm-hmm. with yourself if you are the director <laughs> but you you make a discussion on what's the character about what's this uh, what's his emotion his her emotions with the what's his movement how does he how does it move and then you, depending on your strength or um, what kind of technique you want to use, it's a very different feeling if you use a long string puppet, right. marionettes, because the gestures are very much different than the hand and the glove puppet, which is a direct connection and mm-hmm. a very powerful. So you have to discuss that beforehand to see what you want to say again. <laughs> right. And then you start and research and... Um, uh, what's nice uh, nowadays is uh, we can use uh, the traditional techniques, but also with the new medias, a lot of uh, our, um, puppeteers are working with projection, live videos, and it's bringing a a, breath, uh, a new breath, of a new wind into the traditional puppetry art. So um, yeah.
0: that's what I can answer. <laughs> so can we come and hang out and make a puppet of ourselves?
2: <laughs> Absolutely, we always make a puppet that looks quite. It's amazing to see uh, it happening. It's, no I um, want
0: one. Annie, <laughs> how do we make this happen? You make You're the one that's uh, really, making these things happen. I know. I want. I want to make them one of ourselves, so we can just.
3: There, there are. Somewhere on the panel. Yeah, there are companies online too that uh, <gasps> that are like. There's an artist in Colorado, I think, uh, that that's like their bread and butter is making look-alike puppets. So. Um, There there are definitely people that
0: specialize in that. I know that seems really egocentric, but I'm like, ooh. How do I get out of working? (laughs) I'm trying to get out of working personally, so I'm just going to find someone to mimic me. (laughs) Oh, no, that would too be much. excellent. Yeah. That is a
1: that's a Netflix show right there. Yeah, because yeah. I don't realize that you've been replaced by a puppet the
0: entire time. It's a puppet, <laughs> and it's not actually me. Yes, i always yes. trying to find an easy route. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. But I, I think that
3: is an interesting uh, point as far as in deciding a puppet design. Part of it is what is the technique because you know what how how does each each form of puppetry has a very different feeling to it you know hand uh hand in hand puppets like the muppets you know that's a very direct uh you can get a lot of emotion out of the um the faces and the there's a real directness to that that approach marionettes are perhaps they're a little more they can be graceful but a a little more removed, I would say. Yeah, the distance, um, makes yeah. A there's a the distance, um, mm-hmm. even the distance between the puppeteer and and the puppet. It, it just changes the the personality and the 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 sense of what this um, uh, the, the feeling for the audience. Um, same with like direct manipulation. Uh, Louis brought this. Uh, Beautiful picture, <laughs> audiences can't see. It, but um, okay. of this chimpanzee puppet—that's uh, direct manipulation—and um, three that, people. Person, yeah, three yeah. three-person manipulation is is one that uh, you know you can get so much uh, real subtle gestures and and a real sense of of um, subtle movement in in those kind of puppets. So each one of those really creates a different. Uh, Feeling for the puppeteer and for the audience, and a different set of
0: challenges. Um, So you'd also have to figure out what kind of puppet you want to be. Yeah, I was going to say so because as a (laughs) novice, I didn't realize I knew marionette and I knew the hand puppet. What else is there? Because you were talking about projection.
2: There is shadow shadow puppetry,
0: and there's object theater,
2: which is now a very popular. And there's um, rod puppets, and
0: there's. This may be too much to ask. Can you explain (laughs) exactly what that is? Because, like, when you talk about object, what does that involve? You talked about um, there's three people that can coordinate. I'm I'm all over (laughs) the place. I'm all over (laughs) the place trying to learn. Uh,
3: So, the three person technique, uh, a lot of sort of inspired by uh, a Japanese technique called bunraku. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's uh, there are three people. Usually, it's like one person on the head and right hand. Um, there's another person on the feet and another person on the left hand, and they um, that sometimes switches up, but that's sort of the and So they can really and usually the joints are all articulated, so you can get a really you know natural movement out of that that technique. Uh, so are those
0: pr- are those pretty large in I size or okay? Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's not Speaking so what, the
3: the original, original records. Records. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. Um, but I mean, you can get different sizes. It yeah. just depends on the design okay. of the show and the uh, the puppets. Um, and then there's the object theater is a uh, is really you take objects and uh, manipulate them, and it's it's really yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, so make it come to life with yes. okay okay. Um, okay. And usually <laughs> with object theater, the the particular objects might have. Um, uh, be connected to a certain idea, or you know, they're a metaphor for something else that the okay. you know in the story that you're trying to tell. So, okay. um, and a uh, shadow puppetry is shadows, yeah. uh, but but can be giant puppetry. There are you know puppeteers that use masks and then have the full body mm-hmm. plus the mask that makes the character on top of their heads. Uh,
0: so was that like the polar bear from Coca-Cola? Would he be...
3: That would be a body puppet. Oh, so see? I'm, I'm learning so many things. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So the costume characters really are in, in that body, <laughs> body puppet uh, okay. range. So, okay. Yeah.
0: I'm fascinated now.
3: And there's
2: a lot of research also um, um, for the last... a few decades ago. Uh, you know, shadow puppetry, for example, they used to be sh- uh, screen and shadows and you would look uh, in the front and if you were right. a man in the back, if you were a woman, they would be separating but... But now uh, there's a lot of research. Do you see the actual pu- puppeteers holding the shadow and working with the lamp in his wow. hand and moving the shadow, and the shadow is at the back of the stage and at front of the stage. Right. So it's, uh, it's fascinating. It's always questioning the relationship between... The puppet, the uh-huh. object, and the actor, the manipulator, uh-huh. and in this questioning, it's a, it's very interesting what's happening, and uh, there's a lot of uh, ongoing research about that. And what we must stress, I think, too, is that more and more um, we have to say that puppetry art was always for adults and family, but nowadays it's for many years it's always still often seen as uh, only for children. Right. But it's of course there are exquisite shows for children, but they are. Um, beautiful shows for adults and that's not as known. And what we started a few years ago to launch as an idea is uh, often we used as an example uh, cartoon to say to people, you know cartoon, There's it's for kids but also there's excellent cartoons for um, adults right. and people say, oh yeah, that's true. And now cartoon is recognized as the ninth art. Mm. So we said, why don't we do this with puppetry? So it was our 11th anniversary in Gastelieu. So we said, okay, we go for puppetry. Arts are the 11th art. Okay. So we are launching that and uh, it, we use that to, you know, to stress that puppetry arts
0: is uh, such um, a great theater form and for adults. <laughs> right. Well, I was going to say some of these things sound I like it takes a lot of choreography between each of the different, if it, especially if it's multi-people. Multi-persons? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> multi-people, I like that. I'm just going to say, Multi-pass. I make up words. Just so you know, I'm really good at this job, <laughs> yeah. and I make up words throughout. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that sounds like a lot of choreography has to be played, especially I know in that you were talking about the Japanese form. I'm, I'm guessing that is exactly how it has to go. They have to practice almost their marks and their um, movement in, into whatever Well, it you have be. to
2: spend... Ten years on the feet, and then you move to the left arm for ten years, and then afterwards you might be the master dealing with the head. It was very, very... um,
3: um, Don't you also have to sweep the floor for ten years before
2: all that? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But this is the original Bunraku, but now this technique has been transformed in uh, all sorts of um, new ways. But, uh, yeah, it's a very demanding uh, learning it's like, often it's compared to a
3: musical instrument, to right. manipulate a puppet. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Except for every puppet you pick
0: up is like learning a new instrument. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. talking about these
0: f- different forms. I would think you would have mm-hmm. to specialize in each one for a little while to, like, learn that over again. Yeah, well, and uh, I think just also
3: the construction can be, you know, one... One puppeteer from the center that I'll I'll never forget, Lorna Halley, uh, She was our head puppeteer for many years, and she would uh, when she was presented with a new puppet, she would pick it up and immediately just start playing with it and just try different things yeah. and and be like, okay, how does this puppet work? And she would stretch it to its limits in order to be like, okay, what what are the peculiarities of this puppet? How it moved? How is it jointed? Like, what can I do with it? And that was always like. Like what's the potential for this object? Let me figure that out. Mm-hmm. And that was always so inspiring to me. And and I think that's that's one of the joys of puppetry is you can be like, okay, what's the potential in, in this object? How do I make this puppet really come to life? And each one is really different and is different depending on the technique that's used, um, but also just the particular construction techniques as well. Wow.
1: So. Yeah. I'm fascinated by that and by like being able to communicate mannerisms with movements that you do. It blows my mind. We have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering
1: seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable.
0: And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old.
1: And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family
0: so you don't have to have some stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to hellofresh.com momstuff80 and use code momstuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's hellofresh.com momstuff80.
1: And use code MOMSTUFF80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com
0: for more details. This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness. Yes. And
1: right now, that is more important than ever. Especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group, and we had a a socially distanced
0: and there
1: are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. net products are available wherever you buy groceries including delivery or pickup. And we're back. Thank you sponsor. Let's get back to the interview. So, Before we wrap up here, I would love if um, both of you, I know you've got like a a 15-year anniversary and you've just opened up um, a center. Like what, what things are going on right now that people could look to and what are you looking forward to in the future other than the 11th art?
2: I'm looking towards developing a partnership with the Center of Puppetry Arts in Atlanta. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> yes, me. And I'm looking to help um, creation, to help the puppeteers to achieve their their dream, their project. So if the house and what we do uh, can push them, give give them encouragement, that's what I look for. Because I know. The beauty of the results will be mesmerizing, and I want—I'm a programmer because I want to have more people see
3: and realize what puppetry can do. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm also looking forward to a partnership (laughs) at the Center uh, for Puppetry Arts. We have things going on all year round, (laughs) and uh, and really, I want to find ways to connect our this amazing place that we have in Atlanta. To the world, um, and to really find you know, there's there's so much, such a rich uh world of puppetry, uh, and finding ways to bring that here to uh to showcase it, um, is it's really my goal. <laughs>
0: awesome. You guys have, um, do you have camps that or to We teach do, we do have things? a camp, uh, yeah, we uh. We've, we have so much programming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I hear uh, about wonderful. a lot of things that's happening. It's really amazing, and I just can't believe I haven't gone yet. Yes, you yeah, come. please do. Oh, please yeah, we have I, a I uh, great oh, no, museum. No, no, no.
3: Uh, we have uh, uh, some international companies uh, coming mm-hmm. in. Uh, there's an Australian coming in in February, uh, and uh, we've got museum programming all the time, uh, family programming all the time. We're just about to open up our... Uh, uh, Annual Rudolph Rednosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christmas sign. Yeah, I
0: know. It's already. It's already here. Right. <laughs> so, where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, uh, castelier.ca. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: Castelier means puppeteer. It means uh, the person who worked in a Castellet, which is the puppet theater
3: in French. Oh. So, Castelier means puppeteer. Okay. And uh, www.puppet.org, which oh. is the center's website. That's
1: simple. That's like
3: great find. Oh, vibe, simple, I think, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> find
0: you immediately. Yeah.
1: That's, um, that's awesome. And, and listeners, definitely go check out, if you're near either of these centers, go check mm-hmm. them out. May
2: I ask you a question? You are an actor, an actress. Yes. Would you work with puppets? Have you been in a production with puppets?
1: I have, yes. Um, much more of the like monster coming after you variety. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have, um, in case it wasn't clear, I go to the Center of Pupsy Arts pretty regularly and I've made some puppets there, but um, I have no real uh, experience beyond that. Um, but very interested. Yeah, I would love to to work with them
0: more. This is this was definitely her idea. She was really excited about doing all these things and has talked about Dark Crystal and how much she loves it. So,
1: yes, which is the interesting thing yeah. about that. Going back to your point about how a lot of people, at least where we are, uh, associate puppets with children. Um, I had a friend who I made her watch that, me, and she was so upset at me because she's like, It's puppets, <laughs> it's supposed to be happy. And I said, Not always. Uh, <laughs> so, I think it is changing. Um, yeah, as we. Are more exposed to it and also as we more recognize it because I think some people just don't think of puppets right. when they see them in bigger Hollywood movies or right. TV shows they don't realize that that's a puppet. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. I will so. say when I watched Lily how it represented different personalities of that one man and it was like what five different characters it was. it was pretty I was like Huh. That's really thought provoking. I didn't think about how this was extensions of himself. Have you ever seen the movie? No. You're gonna have to go watch it. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I <have> forgot <laughs> how much I love it's that wonderful. movie. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm really because yes, I didn't know anything about much. this. I was like Annie. This is all you. Now I'm really excited and I have to come visit. You, <laughs> you should. Okay. Yeah. And,
3: the Louise's Festival in March is uh, phenomenal. So Thank it's you. Also, that's awesome. So that's where really is it? Is it in? Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, okay, that's
0: uh, where we're going. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> we're yeah. trying to ride our trips. Yeah. This is where we're coming. I would happily do yeah. that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, thank you both so much for coming. Thank, oh, thank you very you. much. This brings us to the end of our interview. Unfortunately, we had some time constraints, so right. we would have kept going and going and going.
0: I had so many more questions.
1: I know. I, I did.
0: Was, you got really into it at the
1: end. I was like, yes, I, it's I did. happening. I, like,
0: oh, yeah, and this and this and this. I feel like we had a connection that when, yes. when we were talking about Lily. Is what I, we're talking about.
1: I think you did. I feel very happy about this. And um, as we said... Any listeners who are ever in those areas, Montreal or Atlanta, and I'm sure around the world, please please write in if you have a similar center where you are. Um, check them out. They're really cool. I haven't been to the one in Montreal, but I can feel in my bones. It's very cool, and we're planning oh, on it. Oh, yeah,
0: we're going to go. I feel like this is definitely an episode happening in, in March.
1: Yeah, so we'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and say yes, that's happening. Uh, and we'll probably have a bit more to say about this later, but that is all... For today. Thank you guys. Yes, thanks so much to our interviewees for coming in. Um, thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. You're amazing. Um, and thanks to you for listening. And as always, you can write in at our email address, Stuff Media Mom Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. We would love to hear from you. Yes, please. Stuff Mom Nair Told You's production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
4: Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast, Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantined teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow going to end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world, and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences with all-new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Allie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.